0: to another episode of Sweet Tea and Coffee. I'm your host. No, I don't know. I was thinking about throwing something new in there. Yeah? Like 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 what? I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like it. Uh, I'm here with Blake, and we are approaching episode 50. Yeah. We're getting close. How do you feel about that, 50? Can you believe, I just said a minute ago, I cannot believe people have listened this long. I don't know what's going on. It's all these wonderful people that we have on that we're interviewing. It has nothing to do with right
1: uh, them, their family, and, and their friends. And that's our so numbers
0: went way up when it stopped being you and me. It and, did. And we started interviewing other people. Yeah, we're trying not to take that personally, but
1: yeah. yeah. But then at the same time, I mean, we may <laughs> we may make an appearance. Just you and me. Yeah, so that's right. Point. You so, may have
0: to suffer through an episode right. or two coming up. But seriously, approaching episode fifty. Thanks for listening for so long, and uh, this has been a ton of fun. This is one of my favorite things mm-hmm. that I get to do. Yeah, me too. So this is an exciting day because we are interviewing the original.
1: Yeah, the original. Friend
0: yep. of the pod number one. Friend of the pod number one. First to rate, first to review, first to give feedback. Mm-hmm. We should have a special sticker just made. <laughs> we keep talking for- about these, these stickers that have they don't exist yet. They don't exist yet, but, but I was told to yesterday.
1: Yep. I don't know when you're listening I to I think this. they're on order. Yeah.
0: I was told yesterday they are in process and they're real Friend of the Pod stickers mm-hmm. coming to you soon. We've got Holly Middlebrook in the house today. She right. is uh, one of our to- top most requested that you have asked yep. to listen yep. to and the original Friend of the Pod. This is going to be a great episode sticker. Right as I said, we've got Holly Middlebrook here again, uh, original friend of the pod. Holly, how does that feel to have a uh, a title like that? I mean, <laughs> that's that's got to be one of the one of the top things in yeah, your life, right? There. I mean, that's there. really meaningful. <laughs> so you've been listening for almost all of our. Right. I mean, you have you except for the one that released like yesterday that you yeah, hadn't listened right. to yet. But I mean, you've listened to all. Yeah, I try episodes. to. Mm-hmm. What, have, what has been your favorite part of it? Because, I mean, we've just loved doing this. Yeah. What, what what has been your favorite?
2: I think most of all, and I think I alluded to it when we were talking in here earlier, just that I love the recorded history of the church. I love that we're recording yeah. people's story, their faith journey. Yeah. Um, The ups and downs, and I think I just told y'all how many people it's made me think of in the past that have attended this church. That I wish we had their recorded stories, and so Mm -hmm. um, I just think that that's an important part of the fabric of our church, and I love it. I love being a part of it. So thank you guys for asking me.
0: Well, let's uh, let's start where we always start. You uh, (laughs) and I, you know, I may not have my history all right, but you've got deep roots in history. Here in Nacogdoches, yes, right. I mean, so how did you grow up? How did you, uh, how did you, you and your family wind up here in NAC? What's what's your story?
2: Um, well, my parents and Andrew's parents, actually, my husband um, Andrew, um, they uh, they're from here. Um, they're been. I'm not. Uh, I was born in College Station. No, yes, I was. (laughs) I had to think about it. I was born in uh, College Station. My dad was in vet school, and um, so he and my mom were there, and um, he said that I was his lucky charm because um, after I was born, after his third try to get into vet school, he finally got in. So, Oh, wow. Anyway, and so um, he finished up at um, A&M and um, went to uh, Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio for a little while. Um, I loved base living. I thought that was fantastic. Um,
0: So did did being a vet bring him there?
2: Yes, he went to school on the GI Bill. And so he um, went to go serve at Fort St. Houston for three years. We were there. And then we moved to New Braunfels. He um, did veterinary work for a private ranch there for a little while. We lived right on the river. Um, That was a pretty good gig, too. And um, the, our driveway was an airstrip. So, man, when that school bus dropped us off, it was a hike to the house. Um, but that was pretty fun. And um, But my dad and mom always, like, they yearned to be back in the Piney Woods. They just <laughs> – that was always the goal. And so um, I was in about – Second grade, I think, first or second grade, when we moved back here, and um, Dad started his practice very humbly. Our house was right in front of his. It was an old German restaurant that he converted, oddly enough, into uh, his clinic. <laughs> and, um, Interesting. All, I know. Yeah. And where was the original clinic? It's where, where the Duttons lived. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that was um, the original spot. Mm-hmm. That was it. I
0: remember so going up there toward Central bit. Heights. Yep. That's yeah. kind of yep. Blake's stomping ground. It is. getting close. Yeah. Would you have considered that the bog? No, 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 that's just Central High. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll talk about the bog. Forgive me. Forgive me. Sorry. (laughs) No, no. So
2: anyway, but um, loved my childhood. Um, I I was a gregarious kid. I loved being. I I hated housework, and so man to have an excuse to be working alongside my dad was um, just a huge part of my childhood. Um, Just being able to. Be a part of um, all those farmers and um, hardworking people, just seeing how hard they they worked for um, a living and to um, just, just, I don't know, what they did in their community and um, just the integrity that they walked in. And um, so I I loved being a part of my dad's clinic and um, so... I don't know. That's something that a lot of people don't know, but um, my boys can't gross me out. There's absolutely—you <laughs> no, seen it all. There's no smell. There's no, <laughs> no thing. I'm a perfect boy mom in that regard. I guess. Yeah. So, so
0: that's interesting. To I mean, not a lot of professions, particularly now, allow for the child to be in proximity to their parent while they're working and be, be part of it. Of course we don't have to go that far back in history where that was the reality for most everybody, Mm -hmm. but it's not common today. Right. Uh, What was that? What was that like being able to share work and be present in your dad's world? And then as a byproduct of that being so, I mean, a vet is super present in a community. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're part of the fabric of the community in a really unique way. What, What was that like?
2: Well, my grandfather was also a part of my dad's practice. He was a huge, um, just presence in the community. And, um, I think because he kind of put a a stamp of approval on that and helped my dad, it encouraged a lot of the farmers and people to trust Hmm. my dad, a young vet and, um, Anyway, but a lot of people called him Doc Collis. They just mm-hmm. assumed because he was there that he was a veterinarian also. And it wasn't until he passed away that people asked my dad, "Why didn't you mention his schooling and that he was a veterinarian?" And dad said, "Well, he wasn't, you know, <laughs> but wow. Um, but he was um, he was a World War II veteran, um, and to have three generations present in that practice, um, you know, constantly with my dad's kids and then his dad, um, I just realized it, it was." Um, It was just one of the best, um, gosh, just character forming. I mean, Hmm. my grandfather constantly pushed my sister and I and my brother to take initiative, um, to be honest that our name and who we were in the community, um, it was always going to get back to my dad or to him or to Mm -hmm. a relative. Um, There was a lot of accountability um, and just learning how to treat people, um, how to love well um, through the actions, through the work that you do. Um, so I just, I, I just real, I didn't, I don't think I appreciated it at the time until I started raising children mm. and I wish that they could have so much of what I had. Mm. Um, it was, uh, I miss it to be honest. I, I, yeah. I miss the fact that, um, it was an open door policy to, into, you know, that, that work world and that realm and the community, but yeah.
0: So. Yeah. It's probably one of those things too. You don't realize how you, it's normal to you, right? but a lot of people don't certainly have that experience and reflecting back. I'm sure it's like, wow, what an amazing gift that I had that probably didn't even know. I just thought it was normal.
2: Yeah. Like my kids don't know how to walk up to a horse, you know? Oh no, you don't touch that part of the horse. (laughs) No, you know, or, um, or cattle, they're freaked out. You know, um, Blake, he's still, he's like, are they going to get me? No, they're cows. They, (laughs) you know, I mean, a bull maybe, but you know, so, um, it's just all those nuances that, um, I love, and one of the things that I, uh, the things that I realized, I learned the most was when you learn to read animals and owners and all that, you learn how to read people, hmm. and I don't think that I realized just how that went hand in hand until. I started, you know, looking for jobs and um, working in the community and all of that, and I really began to be able to read people well. And um, I think that that came from constantly being in my dad's clinic and yeah. around animals and all of that. You just you learn to pick up on things.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's neat. That's really cool. So you uh, do that, I guess you're uh, all the way through your schooling. Yes. Years you're in and out of uh, the clinic, and right. I mm-hmm. mean, did you ever think? I want to be a vet.
2: Oh, I don't know. My dad was on call 24 hours a day, seven mm. days a week um, for the majority of our childhood. So cows calving in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. and he was out um, regardless of the weather. And it, my dad is a big man, um, a strong guy. And um, to see just the, the physical um, demand that it had on him mm. to do that— um, I was happy to pet the puppies yeah. and walk yeah. the dogs, all the cute stuff. But um, I didn't want any part of the the large animal stuff. It was great, and I loved the farmers and their families. But um, but I did actually work as a veterinary technician for a little while and loved it. Um, and that part I could I could you know I could enjoy. But yeah. I never wanted to run a
1: practice. Now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think at that time, I mean, he didn't have a partner or anything in that, it, right? It for was, a long time. It was for a just very him. Long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Okay, so um, I'm going to d- divert a little bit here Go on. <laughs> uh, for a, for a, a period of time. We actually went to the same church for right. a little while yeah. out at Pleasant Hill. Yes. And um, this is a little known fact. Well, m- many people may not know. You're pretty musical.
2: Right. Well, yeah.
1: You yeah. you won't it, talk about it, but you are musical, and it's evident in your kids because they're yeah. musical as well.
0: And now it's out in the internet. It's out in the internet. <laughs> so, uh,
1: but the very first time that I sang in church was with Holly yeah okay what's the story you can't just say
0: that what's the story what'd you sing
1: I mean I don't I don't, I don't remember if I'm exactly I probably what it was. a hymn I
2: think it, I mean, it was
1: either that maybe a Christmas song I can't maybe. remember I remember yeah. was it special music it was a special music for oh, sure I yeah. look at you using the term Yeah. got like you yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we've got a musical history that goes yeah. way back.
2: Well, this is I, maybe you know this, but my mom and her brother—they um, made a gospel album, a really? record. Really? Oh yes.
0: I didn't know that.
2: Jesus is alive and well. Okay,
0: yes. mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome.
2: So it, it goes way back.
0: Oh, I hope wow. we can get our hands on that somehow. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Well, then I, I, I remember
1: um, your brother. Yes. And uh, he was very much in the military even at that time. Oh yeah. And I was a couple years younger, and I was, you know, I was hardcore history, military. So like, I idolized him. I thought he was the coolest guy. Mm -hmm. And I remember like going on like church camping trips and playing like capture the flag in the dark. And he would show up in like a full camo ghillie suit, like you know, the whole nine yards. And I just
0: remember that was that was your guy. Yeah, he was he was awesome. Yeah. Okay, so if you sang with Blake in church at some point, Mm -hmm. then faith and church is. Yeah. Part of your family at Right. At some point did you grow up that way? Was that something that happened as you were a kid? Like what? Yeah. What propelled your family into church and faith and what was that like as a as a kid?
2: Yeah. Um well, my dad grew up going to uh, Lily Grove in Central Heights, mm-hmm. and my mom went to um, it was College Heights at the time. It's now University Baptist, I think, on mm-hmm. North Street. Yeah, and um, so both grew up um, just with very active Christian families. They were, um, you know, just really rock solid in their faith. They. Um, there was never a doubt. We've wherever we were, whenever we moved multiple times, we always had a church home, had mm. strong Christian friends, families that um, poured into us, and um, you know were just a part of that journey with us. And um, so when uh, we moved back to Nacogdoches, um as most couples do, it was like, well, there was a His church and a her church. And so hmm. they they realized that <laughs> um, that could really step on toes or have some hurt feelings there. So they decided to find their church together. Okay. And my mom always said that the moment she stepped into Fredonia Hill, it was just home. It was hmm. it just uh, was welcoming, and um, she just really felt like um, that was home. And my dad, even though they had both been at very small churches, um, and this was a little out of their comfort zone. they, they I really just felt at home here, and so we came. um, I'm trying to think if we were right. We were right before uh, Brother Charlie' neighbors passed away, Hmm. and um, I just remember the the devastation of that, and um, just thinking as a little girl what that would be like to lose both Mm -hmm. parents. um, And. and so that was always in the back of my mind. And so, in the years, the following years that came, it was when um, Brother Steve James was here. Uh, I just remember just thinking about eternity. That that had that had always been kind of embedded in my mind and heart. After thinking of those children losing their parents, but also hearing. The church body say so many things about, you know, knowing where they were, knowing they would see them again. And um, that just Mm -hmm. remained in the back of my heart and mind. And um, my sister, who always goes first in absolutely everything, um, she uh, walked into – you know that journey in seeking Christ, and then immediately began teaching her little sister what that looked like, mm. and um, modeled well um, what it looked like to have a change of heart, a change of behavior, and just a tra- change in trajectory. Um, she was a redhead and very stubborn, but um, when she um, when she chose to relinquish her life to Christ just fully and completely. Um, she wanted her little sister to to follow along mm-hmm. in that. And so um, I was not far after that. And um, and I think I was around seven or eight, I think, when I made that commitment here in this church and was baptized. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Well, I, what what's that? I mean, just take us back to, I don't know how old you would have been at that point, but uh, when a church goes through, a tragedy like that brother, uh, Charlie and his, and his wife both, right. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, were killed in a car accident mm-hmm. and, uh, and he had not been pastor here for a very long time when that mm-hmm. happened, but was really deeply loved here. Yeah. Part of the community. And well, man, what's, what's that like as a, as a, what are your memories of, of the church trying to walk through that tough moment together?
2: Right. Um, well, it just seemed like it was, I, I remember, I was a really little girl but I remember my mom and dad one of the things that you know um they had heard was what Mark um Clark had alluded to was just the the church split and the hurt that had come before mm-hmm. and so they were kind of walking into a time after that when the church was still trying to find healing and mm-hmm. um so Brother Charlie had stepped into that time period, and um, from what I know, again, I was a very little girl, but um, he was really doing his best to uh, mend hearts and address things through God's Word, and yep. the church just loved his leadership. And um, when he, was, he and Kathy um, passed away in the accident um i just remember just the devastation people mm. felt but at the same time how mobilized everyone was um mm. and i just think um that certainly it was not um god's desire to um rip that you know through a church and hurt it wasn't his cause but he certainly used it mm. um i just think that um it was definitely a time that was used for people to just look at, you know, um, how fleeting life is, yeah. and um, that there are no guarantees, and um, God is still good; He is merciful, wow. and um, so it was. I, I just remember that feeling of of just you know um, watching the people come together and serve. They went and and you know. Um, latched on to, you know, helping that family. I think an aunt and uncle ended up taking the kids and uh, they just helped them transition and helped with the move and cleaning out the house and, and helping that family in any way that they could, you know, but yeah. um, it was still just a devastating loss. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: But coming off of the the amount of conflict that the church had been mm-hmm. through, mm-hmm. It, what you're describing is kind of like it. it was a real present reminder of... Mm-hmm.
2: Or at like least said, it was like for me as a little how, girl. Yeah, yeah, how
0: fleeting things are and what's really important. And mm-hmm. that's a dramatic mm-hmm. uh, moment in the life of the, of, of the church. Uh, okay, so you, uh, I guess then after becoming a Christian mm-hmm. um, in the footsteps of your of your older sister, mm-hmm. uh, you, I mean, continue in Nacogdoches, right? right? I mean, you stay mm-hmm. here and uh, are involved in the church and your faith grows mm-hmm. and, and flourishes. What was... Uh, adolescent years alike and and that process we often talk about here with people of
2: right.
0: of owning your faith and right. and it not being mm-hmm. just tradition from mm-hmm. your family but really starting to to own things for yourself how, how did that process play itself out for you
2: well uh gosh it You know, when you grow up in a church, it's one of the most wonderful things because you always have this safety net of people that love you, and you know they're going to love you no matter Mm -hmm. what. But at the same time, um, it can cause some laziness in your faith. It can cause you to get—or at least it caused me to, um, you know, uh, maybe not search. And that's where sometimes I look at people who come to Christ later, and they're just hungry, Mm -hmm. and they just— pour over God's word, ravenous for its truths and to understand the history and um, how applicable it is to them. And um, I didn't really um, delve into that or understand that or have that hunger. I always knew that I wanted to obey God's word, but I didn't know God's word, hmm. not the way I should have. And that was no fault of any of the staff or anything. That was just me kind of coasting. Hmm. Um But um, one of the things that Blake alluded to, we did end up at the same church. My parents, we built a house out further in Central Heights. And for a little while, um, some of uh, my parents found out about a pastor that they— grew up knowing um, brother Jimmy Hardy and he had retired from a church in West Texas that he had pastored for several years and um just a very godly man and they just wanted to sit under his teaching for a while mm-hmm. and um and I'm so thankful that they did um I don't encourage you know people to uh, but always a good thing to listen to um other godly pastors I think in teaching and um anyway uh, I can't that man um the way he preached and the way he touched my heart, he told me one time, he said, Holly, when I look out, he said, I can just tell you're just soaking it up. And I was. He lit a fire in me. God lit a fire in me hmm. through him mm-hmm. and through his willingness to, in his final years, what should have been years of retirement and fishing and mm-hmm. 42 playing with my grandparents. Um but he didn't. He continued to work hard and pour into a church that um, was broken and had a lot wrong. And um, he wanted to bring health and he wanted to grow those people. And um, and I just adored him so much that when I had Drew, my firstborn, um, Drew didn't even know this till the other day. Um, I actually, um, Brother Hardy ended up getting very sick and um, passing away um, with uh, cancer. Yeah, I think I believe so. Yeah. And. Um, he was um, on his uh, deathbed, and I went by, and I knocked on the door to uh, just check on him. And, and um, his wife, Joanne, answered the door, and I said, Joanne, can, can I just have Brother Hardy pray over Drew? Can he just put his hands on him and just bless him? Can he just—I just knew, mm-hmm. I, so I don't, I don't get emotional about much, but um, that man being able to put his hands on my child and just pray a blessing over him because I knew as a mom— Um, I would never be enough. Um, I could never protect him from everything. I could never um, bring about Christ in his life. Um, And I knew Brother Hardy, simply laying his hands on him, couldn't either. But I knew of the power of prayer. And I knew that that man, um, the way he prayed and the way he walked with Jesus, I wanted that for Drew. I wanted that for all of my mm-hmm. children. But at that time, I just had the one. And so um, that's still probably one of my, ch- my just most treasured uh, memories. And sometimes uh, raising that same child, when I have just had conversations of, Lord, this kid, he, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and I would go back to that sweet and precious moment when um, Brother Hardy put his hands on him on his deathbed, and he prayed over Drew, and he blessed him. and um, And so I'm very thankful for that.
0: Do you think that that's something that, I mean, that's a, that's your first kid yeah, and a pretty, pretty dramatic experience, pretty, pretty powerful moment. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that, that moment and, and kind of the momentum out of that moment, did that shape change the way mm-hmm. you parented? I mean, do you, do you see kind of that moment playing out in the way you raised your kids? I mean, how did that have ripple okay. effect and impact as I mean, as you raised three boys.
2: Yeah. It was definitely um, just a wonderful reminder that they're not mine. Um, hmm. Just truly, it linked my heart to, um, I think, Hannah. Is that correct? Who wasn't she the one that was praying in the temple? And she was, yeah. hmm. um, they thought she was drunk, but yeah, she yeah, wasn't. She yeah. was just simply praying. <laughs> but she ended up giving her son Samuel um, to the priesthood and to serve hmm. God. And, um, It was just a really good reminder for me that, in you know, whether I had sons or daughters or some of all, and however many children God gave me, that they're not mine. And, um, and I wanted them to be put back in His arms. I, um, you know, I mean, any parent can say, live long enough in this world and read headlines and all of that to know that I can do all I can to shield my children and protect them, but they are safest in His arms. Mm. And um, so I would say undoubtedly that that absolutely shaped just, you know, me not trying to hang on to them or shape them or form them, but just continually giving them back to Him and um, having, and having walking in faith in that, that... Mm. Um, I'm going to watch them go through some hard things. I'm going to watch them struggle really hard, but, um, but I want them to hear his voice and they won't be able to do that. If all they can hear is mine.
0: Hmm. Wow. Is that something that you knew beforehand and you kind of went, okay, I got to remember that. Or is that something that you come to realize as you're, as you're raising them?
2: I think it happens as you're – for me, it happened as I was raising them that – like as just kind of wave after wave of onslaught of um, just people or circumstances or things in this life, they wanted to shape my child or wanted to tell me what – how I should be addressing things with my kids, Mm. Um, ultimately – I recognized that um, I I can't do things the way this person does it, or I can't do this the way um, this book says, or the way this. It's going to be unique. It's going to be different based on each child Mm. uh, and based on um, their relationship with God, and um, and also where I am. Um, You know, I mean, I I, that's I have to stay rock solid. I have to stay pouring over Scripture. in order to love them well, in order to not put my selfish you know, expectations or ambitions or whatever um, on top of them. Um, that's just a burden that is unnecessary, um, especially if, um, if I believe that they are safest in His hands.
0: Yeah. I just remember Margie. That was one of the things that we interviewed mm-hmm. Margie that really stood out mm-hmm. to me was for her. Uh, she talked about David receiving Christ. I think he was... 10, 11, 12, something like that, yeah. kind of in those years. Yeah. But her realization that she had to surrender him, very much like what you're talking about, mm-hmm. surrender him in the process of his uh, growing in, in Christ, that that was the Holy Spirit's job. right? And that part of now what she's doing is she's raising a believer mm-hmm. is she is uh, making sure that, that he knows Right. This is this is between you and God, mm-hmm. uh, that it's the Lord that is going to shape you and 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 mold you, and I imagine it's that's the it's that's the same kind of mentality is, but I've heard I've heard it, uh, it said that you know the the idol of parenting is control,
2: mm, yeah,
0: mm. and you know as raising small kids, yeah, I, that's dad that is on the money, yeah, out of, I think, oftentimes out of uh, maybe it's out of fear or worry or mm-hmm. concern for the future, or whatever. We think that the best thing for them right. is control. Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about is something very different. You're talking about surrender. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you get? How do you get to that point where you release control? Where you go? Okay, the the best thing is not the tightest grip. But releasing control that this is the Lord's Lord's job. How do you do that as a parent? Yeah. If you have the answer That's to that a million, question, million dollar question. Yeah. But I, I just love to hear your perspective.
2: Yeah. Have you seen Drew Middlebrook? Have you met <laughs> have you met this child of mine? I, have I you? Have. Yeah. Part of it is just even recognizing who God has created this hmm. tiny human to be. And um, you know, Drew hmm. was you know he was my first and i have i've made brett and blake both thank him for some of the things that he's had to walk through first <laughs> that's an interesting approach if you're approach, a second yeah. third fourth or whatever child <clears throat> if you're listening to this please thank that older sibling um <laughs> they go through everything first yeah. and um so um but you know drew just um yeah he he went first and um i just recognized in him um uh, he just he knew his mind from a very young age. um and uh, he was very a sweet, you know, kiddo, but just, um, I don't know, just one of those things that i really i didn't i had I can't remember if it was Becky, maybe weems who. We, we, Drew and her daughter Lexi are the same age. And Mm. so we both came into motherhood in the same season. And I leaned heavily on Becky during that time. And, um, you can't have a better friend than Becky Weems, um, when you are entering motherhood. But, um, you know, she, she helped me recognize that there were things that I could parent and change, but there were things that were innate that were God, um, just formed in hmm. him. And I then I had Brett, and um, I'll never forget praying one time because Brett was he was my arguer. He loves to have a good argument <laughs> and and not in a bad way. I mean it's that that can be productive, not disrespectful, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah. uh, just well wanting to know the why's and what are the boundaries. And um and in that conversation I can remember just being mentally exhausted by it and just thinking, you know, holy cow and I can just remember to, uh, praying for God to change this, you know, this Rapid questioning of everything, yeah. and, and I just, in my heart, I just remember hearing just God say, "No, this is exactly how I want him." Mm-hmm. And it just hit me. I, I, I didn't come to that. I, I mean, I wanted to change that kid. Let me tell you, <laughs> I, I really did. But um, he just, uh, God just has been so sweet to show me the uniqueness of each of my children. And um, hmm. and there are times when I know I've messed up, and I tell him. I I know I've messed up, but, um, you know, I pray that you'll love me and be patient and give grace just as I give grace. And so,
0: well, and I think it brings a whole lot of clarity to one of the reasons that we ought to be praying for our children mm-hmm. is if you're ever going to get any sort of idea mm-hmm. about who God has created them to be about what he sees, when he sees them, Mm -hmm. the the only place that's going to happen is in prayer. Yeah, And if, you know, so if you're saying I'm kind of making an equation in my mind as you're talking, but if you're saying that, that so much of that, uh, being able to turn over control to the Lord in parenting has to do with you hearing from the Lord who he's created them to be. And your job as a parent, what do you want to do? You want you want that to be who they become. Mm. Not the version of them that right. you could create, but the one right. that that God has has designed. And the only way you're gonna get yeah. that picture in your head and heart mm-hmm. is is in prayer. Right. And you know, I think we hear that as parents mm. all the time, like pray for your kids. Yeah. And it's one of those things I think can just be a yeah. nice, cute little mm. Christian thing. To say, mm-hmm. but man, it's real and yeah. it's serious, and mm-hmm. and that's what you're talking about. You're talking about talking to God and your imagination being full yeah. of God's design for right. your kiddos, which allows you then to say,
2: mm-hmm.
0: okay, then that's then that's yours, and I want to yeah. embrace that and enjoy that about them rather than try to change it.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, and it it also grinds a few edges off of you <laughs> as the parent during all that too. Um, You know, it reveals not just Mm. that child's character, but your own. Um, And, um, you know, you mentioned earlier the, um, you know, one of the idols in parenting. And um, one of the hardest ones for me to get over was comparison. You know, um, Mm. that was a really difficult one to Mm. get over. I think that that happens a lot. And um, that's been, you know, something to release to God over and over is looking at who He has created my child to be versus well, who am I comparing him to, or what am I comparing him to, and how is that um, hindering uh, their growth and what he has for them? So.
0: Yeah, well, you are doing the sacred task of you're you're approaching your final round in it uh, of rate of moving through teenage boy right uh, years. Mm-hmm. You're you're in uh, in round two, yeah. approaching round three. Yes. How old's Brett?
2: Brett's 17. 17 okay. Blake is he'll be 11 this next month. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh you should have it down by now I feel like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah cuz
2: that's how that goes. You've got three girls. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. How does that work for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah,
0: so repetition here. You you're you're doing this over and over again. Mm-hmm. What what would you what would you say to people like me that are on the cusp of doing this for the first time? Yeah. Uh our son is is the same age as as Blake and they they hang together and mm-hmm. uh now having having done this a few times, what yeah. what what would you say? Like, man, if I've learned anything over these first two going through it, yeah. What what encouragement, warning? What would you what would you say?
2: I would just say um, record your prayers as much as possible. I do hmm. keep prayer journals. Hmm. I've recorded next to certain scriptures that I'm either praying over my children or I've also prayed over my nephews. I love uh, I love my nieces and nephews, and um, I've got several prayers that I've been praying for them. And um, Hayden and Sierra getting married this year was a huge answer to Aunt Holly's prayers yeah. over the years. But record those prayers, record all of that, because... Uh, that's one of those, uh, letting your children see the evidence of your faith when you are um, praying in the morning um, in those early hours, or or not so early hours, who am I kidding? Um, uh, just, you know, Thanks really for the real. honesty. <laughs> it's yeah. really... Yeah, Wilma know, Jones
1: can do that early in the morning. That's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> not everybody else oh.
2: yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but just... You know, recording that. So that there have been really sweet times when I've been able to go back and look in some of those journals or look in my Bible and tell the boys, mm-hmm. you know, man, well, um, uh, this is it, this is an answer to prayer. This is look at this, you know, and to see evidence of that. And um, so, um, you know, I don't know, and just continually seek God. Just <laughs> I know that that sounds trite, and it sounds like just the churchy answer, but. Um, I can't tell you how many great conversations that I've had with my boys. Take the time to listen. Put phones aside when they when they make a move to come to you and have a conversation. Mm. Shut everything else around mm. you down and just sit. And um, mm. my mother in law has done that really well in my life. She has shown me the value of a great conversation and how mm. that grows families and strengthens the bond there. And um, my mom as well. And uh, you know is a, is a good listener. But listen to your children and then just pray over them and show them the evidence of of those prayers as God fulfills. He you know things will go wrong things will crash and burn but god is good and it's a mm. great reminder for your kids to see that
0: hmm. yeah oh, that's so good that is really good i love the i love the encouragement to <laughs> not be distracted yeah in those in those important moments and i think that's one of the things that it feels like that fight is getting harder and harder and right. harder is this that the, the so many things that seem yeah. to yeah. seek our attention to distract us but the need for kids to be able to to process with their, with mm-hmm. their parents in spaces that are not full of clutter and distraction to have authentic conversations and right. honest conversation. I can think back at times in my life where, uh, you know, things were not maybe going well, or I was, was wrestling with something and I had mm-hmm. undivided attention from my parents. who I knew love me and were going to be in it with me mm-hmm. and just how important that was to mm-hmm. be able to go there to a place that will be grace and love and right. a listener. Yeah. Um, and you never know when your kid's going to need that, yeah. right. you know, but, but being undistracted when they,
2: mm-hmm.
0: when they show up, that's so good. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. So you're, so, uh, you, you got one more about to come through. He's, uh, winding up for the teenage, <laughs> for the teenage years. Right. Uh, what, what do you, what would you say, um, as a parent? Cause I think that's something that I reflect on a lot is how much my view of God has changed mm-hmm maybe not changed is the right word has grown deep
1: mm.
0: because of being a parent,
1: right. you know,
0: and just thinking about the way, even just ways that I used to think about the way that, that God sees me and then going, wait a minute, but if God's a father yeah. and he calls himself, a Father. he calls himself a parent, then, then this is probably how he sees mm. me. And just having to realign my thinking, yeah. um, mm-hmm. how, how do you think that, that parenting has specifically shaped your faith? And your relationship with the Lord? Mm.
2: Well, first of all, it was recognizing the sacrifice that he made. Mm. Um, Drew's birth date uh, that he was actually due uh, was Christmas Day. Mm. And uh, I was, you know, I was fully prepared to, you know, just allow that to happen, even though the doctor was like, really, Holly? And I was like, yes, (laughs) really?
0: Don't call me on that day. (laughs) Uh,
2: But but Drew, per his personality and God's timing, came three weeks early. So, um, But I'll never forget Christmas morning, um, Andrew and I sitting in bed and having that child between us and looking at him. And it just hit me, just the sacrifice of what God did. Um, Hmm. I mean, just the innocence of that newborn, um, you know, just— it just absolutely rocked my world. Mm. Um, I I just had to just thank him for uh, what he did. So you know, just an absolute gratitude for mm. the sacrifice um, and his love for me um, was I had never known that until I had a child. Um, and um, then the other thing I would say is. Um, just patience. Mm. Um, you know, that's one of those things that you look at the long game um, quite a bit. Uh, as a parent, you uh, you can focus on the small things and, and the trials mm. immediately in front of you. But ultimately, um, our focus is, as believers and as parents is to look at the long game and to not just plant the seeds, but to water them and to create fertile fertile ground for those to grow mm-hmm. in. And that's where I thank my church body because they're a part of that. Mm-hmm. They help They help cut the weeds. They, you know, I mean, Blake pouring into Drew, uh, These the mentor, the men in, in our church are, um, I can't tell you what a gift that is. And I hope that um, people take advantage of that, that you pray over that. That's something I prayed. I prayed and asked God to bring one mentor for Drew, just one, because eventually you'll find that your voice is good is good, but your son will need to hear or your children sometimes need to hear from other believers, mm-hmm. other men or mm-hmm. women. And um, it's just integral. Uh, and um, God was so faithful not to bring just one, but to bring a multitude um, of men who have spoken into Drew's life, whom he still seeks counsel from. And um, that's been a huge blessing. I I can't thank God enough for that. And I tell people that that's part of... Um, kind of my mothering, um, I guess, testimony is to tell other women and tell other moms, you know, pray for this. And it's a hard thing mm. for mamas to trust other people with their kids mm. um, these days. But um, the men of Fredonia Hill have been very faithful. And I'm a very protective mom, but I can't speak enough of the people who have helped shape and form and grow my children. And um, I'm just extremely thankful.
0: Mm. hmm Man, I think that's a that's that's such a good word is a, just a word on patience mm-hmm. and playing the long game. And, and and that's that's how God sees us. And I think man, I think I get where I get the most frustrated in my walk with the Lord oftentimes is cuz I'm in a hurry.
1: Yeah.
0: And I get I beat myself up with guilt and shame. I haven't quote unquote arrived there yet. And I, and I get frustrated with my shortcomings and, and then that frustration piles up and, mm-hmm. and produces more and more. And I end up stuck cause I'm just frustrated. And, and, and if you stop for just a second though, and then think, is that how God sees this right now? Mm-hmm. Right. Is he frustrated? <laughs> is he going, man, he just cannot get this together. Let's go. Let's get, you know, I'm in a hurry here. Let's go. That's just totally not, yeah. The nature of God, and uh, I had a I had a professor in seminary one time that, that said, you know, God took time out of the equation as it related to our uh, our holiness, our sanctification. Why are you just slow down? Yeah. Yeah. He's not in a hurry. He's not worried. Let him grow you uh, in his in his timing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it takes all the tension out of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, I just think, so I don't know, maybe that's where we'll, that's where we'll shut it down today is just to kind of just say to you, man, if you're listening and, uh, you've heard Holly talk about the long game of parenting, the patience, the care, the love that is in it, man. In the gospel says like, how how much more does your heavenly father, you know, if that's the way that we think of our children, how much more Mm -hmm. is God thinking, uh, that of you? He's not in a hurry he's not in a hurry. He loves you and knows exactly what you need in the process that you needed in the timing that you need it. Be, be encouraged wherever you're at, mm-hmm. whatever you're in that, uh, the Lord's not in a hurry. He loves you. And, uh, he's got a plan and is, is working that out. Your job's just to show up, just show up and, uh, right. and let, uh, lay your life down and let him do things as he wants to do it. So, Man, Holly, thank you. I didn't wow. know that we would get into like parenting 101 here, but there is some gold. Thank you so yeah. much. I'm telling you, uh, as two uh, parents, you know, figuring this out, wow. Blake and I are both right there with you trying to and, and you yeah. you you've got a little more experience yeah. on us, so we're like soaking this up like a sponge.
1: So. Well, she's got some some good boys. I can say that. Some good dudes. Yeah. Yeah. There's not many 20-year-old young men that would Call and ask me my opinion
0: on things, and so mm-hmm. there's also not many twenty-year-old, eleven-year-olds. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> She's got one of those. And yeah, well, I got to just. We got to. You got to. You got. Well, well,
1: I was just. I was out at the soccer field the other day, and I just said, "Mr. Russell, Mr. Russell," and I'm like, "Who is?" And then there, there was Blake, and then we ended up talking about. Fishing. Yeah, Blake's
0: her eleven-year-old. Right. Yeah. How many? How many like teenagers, won't speak to you in public, Blake? we'll go find you they'll find you to speak man yeah. some so some good dudes mm-hmm. some good i'll never forget my first conversation at le- my first lengthy conversation with Blake was when he was being uh, baptized right. and i got up in the baptistry and we we were a little early we had probably 15 20 minutes before it was before mm-hmm. it was time and he was all dressed and ready i mean he's like he's got it figured out and he sat there and told me about Uh, fish in Alaska. (laughs) We had the most grown-up conversation I probably had that entire day. Yeah. And at that time he was probably nine. Was he nine? Yeah,
2: yeah. Or ten. I mean, it's just like yeah. who's
0: this little adult? Anyway, yeah. he's amazing. So anyway, good kids. Thank you for Thank you. sharing that part of your life yeah. uh, sure. with us. And and thanks for being uh, the number one friend of the pod. Right. Absolutely.
2: So really I want one appreciate of the stickers. it.
0: You're getting you're to- you're getting the first sticker. Yeah, first, first of all, you get the first <laughs> sticker. All right. Well, we're gonna close it down. There. We've got more guests to come as we march towards 50. fifty-five zero. Episodes, just a few more left, and mm-hmm. that'll be the close. When we hit fifty, that'll be the close of our
1: season. Of our season, season two,
0: yeah, season two will come to a close then, and we've got a little bit of a break, we'll take a break, and then we'll launch into season three. So, uh, man, thank you guys so much for mm-hmm. listening. We have really enjoyed doing this a ton as we come towards the end of that of that second season. Thanks for listening, and as always, if you've got suggestions or thoughts. And we want to hear feedback. We really yeah. do want to hear we you want talk to hear about how all these have, how these stories have impacted Yeah.
1: It's you. really cool to hear, hear how stories have, uh, have impacted your life and, and what you took away from that, because I think everybody takes something away differently from yeah. each one. It's really neat to see how that happens.
0: Yeah. So let us know those things. You can do that on uh, any of the social media channels. Uh, you can hit us up on our email at stc at fredoniahill.org there it is all right well we'll see you guys next time adios